When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Silk Report. Good evening, everybody. Uh, how are we all doing this evening as it is here in... In Europe right now, I have no idea where uh, how it is where you are. Jamie Drummer, hi, Johnny Silk and friends. How are you doing, Jamie? Nice to have you in. Um, Ross, too, yeah. Uh, we're going to come to round three previews basically at the end, but you're right, Alcaraz Berrettini. That is exciting, and I'm looking forward to that. Um, okay, let's get to it, though. We're here to review day four, uh, second round on, in the bottom halves of the draw. So let's get straight to it and let's get to my first tweet. Great. Now you have processed that. Let's get to Emma Raducanu, uh, who is second on the menu today, basically because, uh, yeah, it was a shock. It was a shock to me. I thought... I thought she might come unstuck in the third round where she would have faced uh, Simona Halep, but I didn't see this coming today. I thought um, I thought that she would overcome the uh, her opponent, Danka Kovinic. She pushed it to three sets. Um, obviously, she had the blister. Let me know in the chat how much you think that did basically affect the result. She didn't use it too much of an excuse, but um, it did kind of affect her in the third set, particularly with those sort of forehand slices that she actually joked about afterwards. She said, actually, I'm not bad at the old slices. I might do it more often. Um, I think it's a, if we look at the bigger picture though, with Radu Khan, I think we can sort of kind of say that actually it's been a good tournament. I know it's only lasted two matches, but I think that victory in the first round was massive. And I think a fully fit Radu Khanu today, uh, yeah, she blisters on her hand. Yeah, I, I think, and, and I saw some of you mentioning about blistering forehands and uh, blistering shots and blistering performances. I like the, uh, I like that. Yeah, the uh, blister dictated the result. Uh, her forehand was weak and killed her most of the match there from Colby. Nice to have you in the chat there, by the way, Colby. Yeah, I think that's that's arguable. And, uh, and I think on a, on a healthy, 100% healthy day, she probably, I mean, going to three sets as well, I think she probably does prevail. Nothing against her opponent, who did great. 98 in the world. 
and we'll play Simona Halep next. Um, anything else? Well, the Seagull brought us a bit of amusement, definitely. That sort of uh, gave us a few minute pause. I don't know if you all saw the match and uh, that was kind of amusing. But uh, ultimately, uh, a disappointing result, but plenty to look forward to. Emma Raducanu still at the tender age of 19. I think she's on for a good year. Uh, we'll see how she gets on with the American swing coming up uh, in March. Obviously, Miami and in- Indian Wells is background again, even though it was just a few months ago. And she'll be looking to improve upon last year's performance at Indian Wells, where I think she went out in the first round. Okay, moving on. Uh, another shock exit i would suggest muguruza going out i don't know about you but i did not see this coming um i watched this match i was listening to ben and jg's commentary of um of another match but i was paying attention to muguruza who went out to uh elise cornet today in straight sets and she she said in a press conference afterwards she said i didn't feel my game I thought I served badly. I didn't take my shots well. And I made tactical mistakes. I mean, what more could possibly have gone wrong for Muguruza today? I, I really don't know. And I don't want to take away too much from Elise Cornet. But I do think that it, uh, Muguruza's performance was was strange. Um, particularly how well the last six months have gone. Obviously winning the WTA finals in Mexico in, um, last year in Guadalajara. I didn't see this result coming. I didn't see this performance coming, but it is a performance. And maybe I should have seen it coming because it is a performance that in slams, we know she's a, you know, she's won more than one grand slam. She can do it, but that was a few years ago. And in the last two or three years, she will throw in a strange performance from time to time. We remember two years ago in the Australian open final, how she choked basically. Um, and I think it was two double faults in a row against Kennan in 2020. And yeah, um, I'm I'm at a loss, but we have seen this before. Um, can uh, is it too dramatic to say? Can Mug- Muguruza win a Grand Slam? Is it? Am I going a bit over the top with this? Um, let me know in the live chat. In fact, I'm going to come to the live chat now. I'm going to just put this screen on here with a few other results uh, while I head back to the live chat to see what you guys are saying. Am I being too harsh on Muguruza? Is she being too harsh on herself? Kaz there, very shocked to see Muguruza out. Yeah, likewise, I feel the same. Um, let's have a look at that. Maple Stars, Alice has won against Muguruza many times, and I also thought she might lose, but straight sets. Yeah, exactly. Um, Alex, crazy day, Silk. Um, uh, gaming tonight, Muguruza, a huge upset. Emma, because of the blister, wasn't. Okay, interesting. Hygiene as well. Uh, Michael suggesting maybe I'm being over the top. Maybe I am. Maybe I am. But would you back, would you back Muguruza to win a slam with any sense of conviction or confidence? Bearing in mind it's seven matches that you need her to be reliable for. And I don't know if we can rely on it. And then, of course, adding on to that, it's not Grand Slam tennis of two or three years ago where we're kind of looking at Serena Williams. Is Serena Williams going to perform? And if she wins, if she performs, she wins the tournament. But is someone going to be good enough to beat her? That's not where women's tennis is at now. Women's tennis is at a completely different place where there are any one of 20 winners. And with it like that, I don't know. And look, by the way, there's a lot of people much younger than her. Of course, we've mentioned Raducanu as well. You know, I know Leila Fandon has went out in the first round, but there's, you know, Coco Goff as well. There's so many youngsters now. 
Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm being over the top. Let's see how the next let's see how the next twelve months pans out. Um, I can still see her winning two fifties and five hundreds, of course, but to win a uh, you know to win a slam, not so sure. Uh, Jared saying Muguruza is a one-dimensional player, serve and power. Many players are more versatile. Yeah, I see where you're coming from there. Uh, I think she's got a bit more to her game than that, and I think on her day, she's got the complete package to beat anyone in the world. The problem is to win a Grand Slam, you've got to kind of do that seven times in a two-week period, and and I think we see that on the men's side as well, perhaps with Shapovalov and Felix to some extent, albeit that they're a bit younger. Um, so yeah, okay. I think we've done Muguruza there. If I say to you, audience, the next person on our agenda is someone who's a little bit prone to double faults right now. Can you guess who I'm going to be talking about? Of course it is Sabalenka. I watched this match and I tell you what, it's painful. It's painful right now watching Arena Sabalenka. Um, yeah, uh, Snail there. No, 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 no great prizes for guessing that I was going to talk about Sabalenka next. Yeah. Um, I mean, she won. Let's, let's look at that. She's producing, she produced 19 double faults in total today and she still won. Um, which I think is a, is a, is a compliment to the rest of the game. The rest of her game is there. The rest of her game is there to, to win a grand slam finally. I mean, she is the number two in the world and the number two seed, obviously here in Australia, but 19 double faults. And I, I first of all want to come to something she said before the match, which is that she thinks it's technical. She doesn't see it as a confidence thing, despite the fact, obviously many people have suggested it might be, uh, not sure if it's Pat Rafter. Tell me in the chat if you know somebody was talking to her pre-match about what she could do to try and improve things. I think one thing that she did do yesterday, um, which I think is a good idea, is she didn't do the underarm. Okay, and what that might win her points, by the way, as opposed to losing the point. But I don't think it gets her out of the rut. I don't think. I think she's got to play through this. I think she's got to go through. It, it might end up costing her a match. But I think the way she's going to emerge from this double fault yips like thing, yips being the golf term for, you know, anxiety in this moment. I think she's got to keep going with the with the with the normal serve, so to speak. But why do I she says it's technical. I suggest it's confidence. Other people are suggesting it's confidence too. Mark Philippoussis, thank you, Gene. I knew it was an Aussie. Um, yeah, it's Mark Philippoussis who was saying to suggested it was confidence. I think they did have a chat. Exactly, they had a chat before. Thanks, Gene. Thanks, Kieran, as well for that. Uh, thank you, Ruari, for the super chat as well. Loving the silk reports. John keeps killing it. Appreciate all the takes and always excited when I hear you on the pod. Thank you very much for the compliment and thank you very much for the super chat. Definitely fire away some questions as well uh Ruari and anybody else and I'll try and address, address them perhaps at the end so Sabalenka yeah uh, why do okay so why do I think it's um it is confidence and not technical as she suggests Philippoussis I think has also suggested it's confidence and she's also and I'll tell you but I'll tell you why and I, I, I can put it put it down to this it's the variety of double faults if it was a technical thing you would expect to see the same double fault over and over again you'd expect to see a double fault always clipping the net or always going low at the net or a double fault that she was always going long on or wide to one side or the other but it's she's actually doing all sorts of different double faults they're going into the net they're going 
you know, they're going miles long, that they're almost landing in Sydney rather than Melbourne. Um, so for me, that's confidence. Uh, she's throwing the ball too high, Fatima suggests. Yeah, possibly. But that also, I think that is also a, an anxiety thing. You might say it's a technical thing that needs to be adjusted, but I just think it's anxiety. I, I, I think it's incredible that she's come through it. But every time you're watching her, you're going, oh, no. I mean, she did 19 in total. Six in the first game. So her average, if you like, got better. But she's still winning matches. Now, I know she is playing slightly lower ranked people at this stage rather than those to come. I hope she can come through it. But listen, shes I saw a stat that was produced, I think, during the third set, which said that she has hit in all her service um, serves this year, each point, 50% of her points this year on serve have been double faults. That is an insane statistic. I can't remember, and I've been watching tennis for 35 years. I don't remember anything. I've seen players have yips. I've seen players have dips. I've seen, I remember Nadal 2016, 2015, this period, you know, when he went out to Djokovic at the French. You're going through a confidence phase where, you know, he just wasn't competing at slams until he finally got out of it, I think, at the beginning of 2017 when he employed Carlos Moya. I've seen other players go through dips and confidence and sometimes they never return from it. Other people get angry with their game. We all remember, you know, shock, early retirements, etc. Um, yeah, thank you very much for that stat. 109 serves, 59 double faults, over 50%. I don't remember someone having a so stark, so obvious uh, issue with such a particular um, part of the game. I didn't know. She may have changed her racket, but yeah, which I think is, is another example of the fact that this is a this is a mental thing. This is not a technical thing. Probably there's nothing wrong with it. By the way, talking of um, just confidence in general with tennis, I find um, – so her change in the racket I think is particularly interesting. I find um, the uh, – when I see a player, uh, the French player, I think Garcia does this sometimes. When they have a good point, they win it. Maybe a bit of luck, maybe a bit of genius, whatever. And they say, I want that ball again. I want to take that ball again and I want to use it. And, of course, we know it. It's superstition. It's a confidence thing, etc. I worry when I see that in a player. I do worry when I see that in a player because I think – I think it's almost too superstitious because then, of course, when the soup, when something changes, that then blows everything. And, and I don't think it works. When I'm playing tennis myself at the club and I see other people doing it, I, it fills me with confidence and I completely ignore it. I win a point and I see the ball and I don't care if I use that ball again personally. And I think it, it can throw you when it doesn't work. Now, I know, of course, everyone's going to point out other people with their suspicions, sorry, uh, superstitions, particularly Rafa Nadal with the way he does it and, and the bottles. But he's been asked about, is it, are you superstitious? He's like, no, it's so I get a routine and it's so I can focus. I think when you take that ball again or you do change your racket because you, you, you're doing it, I think you can lose focus in that moment because you're so insistent on using that ball. And if you lose the next point, then, then you know, that can disrupt you, I think. And so I don't like to see this in a player and I would rather not. But um, listen, Sabalenka won today, double faults galore. No underarms, I think, is the way to go for her. And just play your way through it. And hopefully she can do it before this tournament's out. Um, Gary San Loren, I'd like to come to see what, see what you've got here. John, have you watched Savalenko in slow motion? I asked if she's actually looking at the ball when she makes contact. This makes for wildly erratic results. That's a really good point, Gary. And, well, erratic is, is, is the perfect word for her. Let me know in the chat if you think she can 
emerge from this rut in time to 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 do well at this tournament. Uh, I'm I'm worried about it, but it, is it something she can shake off on the practice court, or does she need matches to shake this off? Can she go a set without a double fault? Because she's basically going to have to. You can't give away 19 points in a match and expect to beat um, Simona Halep. Um, uh, obviously, Osaka's on the other side of the draw, but you know what I mean. Thank you, Tati Champ, for the super chat. Yeah, uh, you can't keep doing this. Uh, you can't throw nine. You can't start a match with a 19-point disadvantage against the top 20 players in the world. And if she if she can still win those matches, well, hats off to her. I think it's amazing that she can win these two matches, by the way. Okay, moving on. Uh, we're just going to finish the women's side now uh, by touching on somebody that I first saw play in 2006 at in, in Melbourne. The one occasion I did go to the Aussie Open in 2006, I saw Sammy Stosa play Martina Hingis. And that was at the beginning of her career. It was kind of her breakthrough slam. It's great that Sammy Stosa went on to win a Grand Slam. She won the US Open in 2011. And here she is with her comment, I think it was in the on-court interview afterwards, or in the press, sorry, because she didn't do that. She said, I dreamed of winning a Grand Slam to do what I've done. Dreaming as a little kid is phenomenal. And congratulations there on a wonderful career, a wonderful singles career. I think she's going to keep going the double, so it's not completely over, but... Yeah, I just wanted to give a, a shout out to her. She lost to Pavlyuchenko, 6262, Pavlyuchenko. Um, Pavlyuchenko, by the way, someone I'm keeping an eye on. I, I have a lot of time for her. She, she had her breakthrough slam, arguably, by getting to the final at the French last year. Um, and uh, quite late in her career, you would, you could argue. And I'd love her. I would love her to win this, this slam, by the way, uh, Pavlyuchenko. But let's see. I don't think she's among the favorites, but, but who knows? Who knows if she can repeat what she did at the French Open last year? Okay, let's come to the men's side and let's begin with Diego Schwartzman, uh, who lost today in straight sets. Let's begin with this quote from his, as well, his presser afterwards, uh, quoted here by Jose Morgado. Schwartzman, very sad in the press as expected, uh, said he's far from 100% physically and needed to win the first set to have a chance to win. Uh, I did a big effort today to stay in the match. He said, I knew that I was in pain, but wanted to play. I didn't play well, though. And I think this image of, of, of him sums him up, basically, and looking very glum there uh, in his presser afterwards. And, yeah, I feel a bit sad for Schwartzman because I wonder if he's maybe peaked. Am I, again, being over the top with him? I mean, I guess Clay is his um, is his top thing. Oh, by the way, Gary, thanks for joining the, the membership there. Great to, to have you on board. Um, yeah, uh Oh, by the way, don't forget to hit the like button on the video. Um, I'm loving all your comments and uh, and the likes uh, massage my ego, which is great. And I'm loving how you're enjoying the Silk Report and we're going to go do it. Van Lee there suggesting Schwartzman looked overweight. Um, yeah, perhaps perhaps that's a bit harsh. Perhaps he's not at his peak physically or mentally, but he, he certainly had a tough one today. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, Schwartzman is somebody I, I remember him at the ATP finals just just over a year ago in London the last one's there in sort of November 2020 and just seeing him and thinking I don't know 2019 2020 he got to the semi-final of course of the French Open in 2020 and that pretty much set him up for that and I'm just wondering if if uh, <laughs> Michael Mr Silk is an over-the-top posh version of GTL ah yeah quite possibly 
<laughs> JG ju- jumping in there with a Maradona uh, comparison. Well, Maradona certainly. I remember reading once, by the way, or hearing from Maradona that that he liked to eat two large pizzas pizzas whilst watching a match. Um, but uh, anyway, that's Maradona for you, a fellow Argentinian. So, um, yeah. So yeah, Schwartzman. I, I don't know. I, I I don't I don't see Schwartzman having the game to break into the say top three or four players in the world. I don't see and. You know, the serve is obviously the main thing, and and I'm worried for him. I I can see him still hanging around the top ten. I actually see similarities with Rublev. Um, I I don't know if they've got much more, if they can go much higher. Um, listen, this is a, a game about of, of predictions, and it's a game of of of, of making analysis. And who knows? I, I I could well be wrong with Schwartzman, and we're looking at a future world number one. But I'm I'm not so sure. Okay, another person who... Uh, oh, by the way, one more thing I want to say about Schwartzman. He went out... He didn't go out to a top player today. He went out to the world number 175 in Chris O'Connell. Congratulations to Chris O'Connell, of course. But world 175, you know, if if I'm not going over the top, then, a, a, you know, a future world number one probably shouldn't be going out to... Or a future Grand Slam winner probably shouldn't be going out to... a. 175 in the world. I know what you're going to say. You're going to say Rafa went out to people who were, you know, at Wimbledon two or three times. We all remember against Brown, was it, um, et cetera. And I know, but Rafa had already won 10 slams by that point. So chuck that idea in the bin. Um, we're talking about somebody, can they reach the, the pinnacle of the sport? And I don't think Schwartzman will reach the pinnacle of the sport. That's what I'm saying. Pinnacle meaning win a Grand Slam or reach world number one. I don't see it. And I don't think that's an over-the-top analysis. Yeah, Diego's playing to his full potential. That's my point, Michael, exactly. I don't see there being much more. He may have had an off day today, but in general, this is his limit. Okay, another person who lost in a in a surprising manner, and, and yeah, I think it qualifies as a shock, is Andy Murray today going out. Um, I think him going out in general is not a surprise, but I think if he went out to Basilashvili in the first round or he went out to a higher-ranked player in the third round, quite possibly. But to go out to the 120 in the world in Taro Daniel, I mean, this tweet here from Stu Fraser from the Times says it all. I mean, he said he suffered his worst ever defeat by ranking at a major tournament, going down in straight sets. Of course, what this brings us to with Andy Murray is a much bigger picture. Uh, We're kind of, Andy Murray's, you know, the wrong side of 30. We all know about the hip. We all know about uh, the, you know, his travails. I would not go as far as um, uh, the Swedish commentator, former Grand Slam when I think he won five Grand Slam, Mats Verlander. Uh, I wouldn't go as far as him when he's sort of saying Murray should retire. No, Murray can choose that as and when. He's a legend of the sport and he chooses when he should retire. But are we now at a stage where Murray has to pick and choose, even the slams? Is he at a stage where, you know what? I'm not going to win another French. I'm probably not going to go deep at the French. So maybe I just need to focus on... And the reason I highlight the French in particular is because it comes so close to Wimbledon. Would a real full tilt at Wimbledon give him a chance of getting it to the second week? Um, Michael mentioning Tower Daniel played really well. Hats off to Tower Daniel, yes. Um, But should Murray now kind of streamline his calendar, streamline his focus... And just build a bit like Federer did last year to some extent. I mean, I know Federer played the clay court season, but it was just because he didn't have matches. I think with Murray, obviously, he could just focus on 
on on Wimbledon being in 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 London, of course. Perhaps she could also look at the U.S. Open, but just focus on those two slams for the rest of his career. Would that prolong his career? Would that also give him a chance of going? to a second week because I think that's what we're looking at really I think if Andy Murray had won this match by the way and had got to the third round I think okay it's not the second week but I think we would look at that as a successful tournament I think the fact he obviously went five sets in his first round about against Basilashvili couldn't have helped I did fear him in terms of energy um Vanch there maybe he's being a bit harsh let's read what Vanch has to say Murray won't get any better he has limitations uh, now his hip issue is no joke yeah Fair comment there from from Vanch. Um, yeah, so I, I think maybe the best way forward for Murray, he'll know better than me. He knows his physical game. He'll have his coaches. He'll have his fitness team around him. Um, Michael there, Murray's playing because he loves the sport. Completely fine with that. And he's good enough still to knock out players. And he's good enough to reach second and third rounds of slams and other tournaments. So he absolutely deserves a place there in a wild card. Of course, I think his ranking actually is creeping up again. I don't know if he'll ever, uh, if he's going to make the top 100 anytime soon, but... That's up to Murray, and that's another debate. I don't think it's retirement time here. Um, that's for sure. Uh, I would like him to certainly play Wimbledon. But, you know, maybe just focusing on Wimbledon every year will mean he's got two more years in the game, and he may go deep. And it's just fun seeing him at Wimbledon. That's what I'll say. It's just fun. And uh, long may that continue. Okay, let's have a bit of a roundup of other matches that occurred today. Um I think we're obviously going to begin with Medvedev Kyrgios in that roundabout. I mean, that's really probably de- deserving of a slot on its own, uh, such as the magnitude of the game. I think that's fair enough to say. I mean, Kyrgios on his day, as he mentioned in his press conference afterwards, his performance uh, probably was, re- he was really pleased with his performance, Kyrgios, despite losing to Medvedev today. Um, he said in his press conference that actually I would have beaten 95% of the players. Uh, that I came up would come up against on the ATP Talk, playing like he did today, and I believe him. If you could take a set off Medvedev, and if you, and he served well, Kyrgios, albeit that Kyrgios, uh, sorry, Medvedev out aced uh, Kyrgios by a statistic of two to one. Uh, Gil Gross, by the way, friend of the pod, um, check out his YouTube channel as and when you can. He highlighted a really good point though regarding this serving statistic. We mustn't forget. When it comes to ace stats in particular, or even on the turnables, we need to look at the opponent and we need to look at how good um, how good they they can return the ball and how good they can get to it. You know, I mean, it's like Djokovic, for example. You get an ace against Djokovic and you're doing pretty well. Uh, and I think Medvedev actually right now possibly comes in that category. And Gil Gross certainly thinks that it's actually Medvedev's unbelievable ability to get shots back and to return serve that actually brought Kyrgios's ace count down, so to speak. Um, John Silk, you got the court wrong for the Medvedev Kyrgios match. I don't think I mentioned the court. Um, I don't think I highlighted which court that that match was on, but perhaps I did. If I did, it was a slip, but I don't think I mentioned the the name of the court. But because uh, it wasn't, I know it was on. It wasn't on Rod Laver. I know that. Um, it's actually I quite like Kyrgios on on some of those other show courts, so to speak. Um, but uh, yeah, good match. Uh, Mev- uh, Kyrgios doing some of his tricks and stuff, which was great. Uh, getting involved with the crowd. Something that came up in Kyrgios' press conference afterwards, by the way, as well as the the 95% uh, stat that he came out with, was there was some, I think, ESPN commentators suggesting he might be retired. It, no, it was on it was on Rod Laver, was it, Gene? Okay. Um, yeah, okay, fine. Um, I, I, I don't, don't know if I touched on it. I think I said court, and maybe you thought I added a, a, a word to that. But anyway, not, 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 poor, not important. It's not something I want to talk about too much. Um, 
Yeah, so some ESPN commentators getting got some word at some point during their commentary that they thought, or potentially, and they've they've you know they've got their sources uh, that Kyrgios might retire soon this year. Kyrgios was asked about this in his press conference, and he didn't exactly deny it. Let's say so. I mean, who knows with Kyrgios? It could have been a lazy comment to a friend or just a careless comment to a friend, and then that's somehow seeped through to the media, and now it's out there. But he was asked in the in the in the in the press conference if he's going to be retiring anytime soon, i.e., this year, and he didn't deny it. He kind of you know dealt with it. He didn't say he was going to be retiring. Didn't say he was planning on it. But um, if you're not planning on it, then you immediately say with conviction, "No, that's rubbish," and I don't know where that's coming from. I have no plans to retire anytime soon. Kyrgios, interestingly, is 26 years old. And I'm sure Michael, who's a huge tennis fan and goes back much further than I do and has a far even greater depth of uh, tennis than I do, but he will remember or will be aware. That's also the same age that Bjorn Borg retired at. Now, Kyrgios will be turning 27 in March or April, uh, so in the next few months. But I don't know. I mean, that would be a Kyrgios-type thing, wouldn't it, for him to retire? Um and and I, I know what Robert Stallings is saying there with saying he's basically retired. I, I, I get that. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, I do get that, um, that, um, that, um, that, that, uh, you know, that, that he's basically, because he's not traveling a lot. He's not going everywhere. Um, anyway, but we'll see. We'll see. I, 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 who knows? He'll be back in a year, probably. And all of this will be forgotten, but retiring at 26 would be a, Kyrgios type thing and then having a comeback at 36 Bjorn Borg by the way tried that he retired at 26 and tried to come back eight or nine years later and it didn't look good um okay let's have a look at some of those other matches we've got on the screen there City Pass went through uh four sets though dropping a set if City Pass is gonna um City Pass is gonna retire sorry City Pass is gonna um progress uh far in this tournament not so sure Actually, let me know in the chat. I didn't watch this match. Did was there any signs regarding his elbow, uh, etc. Today, um, I I think the doubts around the Sitspass are still there. I think the fact he's got to the third round though is kind of good news. The way he was like four to six weeks ago, I, you know, I didn't expect him to be at the tournament. And even two weeks ago during the ATP Cup when he had his you know his elbow in in plaster or whatever, I was thinking, not sure if um if he's going to even make the first round or if he's going to pull up short. So. Yeah, Eddie Mayer coming up with a good point there regarding Bjorn Borg. Yeah, he did come back because he was broke. Um, I think he might have gone bankrupt. He certainly had some financial issues there. Um, and of course, you know, uh, why would Kyrgios retire at 26? That's a great point, Michael. Bjorg had retired with 64 titles. Yeah, but Bjorg's retirement wasn't like, I've done it. I think there was some, I think he was just frustrated with the sport. I mean, golf, a bit like tennis, it can be a lonely individual practice at times. And especially when you're on court, it can be so frustrating. But anyway, Gene, back to Gene's comment here regarding Sitsipas. Sitsipas had loads of unforced errors, didn't have any pain in his elbow. Okay, thanks for that, Gene, because I wasn't able to catch the match today, so I can't elaborate too much. But I still don't see Sitsipas going even to the semifinals where he got, obviously, last year. I think Sitsipas is due to play Sinner in the quarterfinals, um, uh, should they progress, and that's where I see his uh thing uh, if he stays healthy gosh he has all the skills yeah i agree he does have all those skills gary um city pass but can he stay healthy will there is still a mental fragility to city pass 
uh, I think still, and he hasn't, it's not just this injury as well. He's not really played well since the French Open. He had an unbelievable clay court season, was getting better and better and better throughout that clay court season, peaking, I think, at the French Open, which is obviously what you want and getting to the final um, and probably peaking after about two hours at that final uh, when he took a two-set lead and hasn't been at that level since. Um, I'm sure he'll get back to it. I'm just not sure that he's going to get back to it in the next 10 days or so, which he, he'll obviously have to if he wants to win this tournament. Uh, Rublev going through, fairly unremarkable. That's great. But Rublev, that's Rublev. He beats players that are lower ranked than him. That's why he wins 250s and 500s, but he doesn't win Masters and he doesn't win Grand Slams. And of course, he's in the same half as Medvedev, you know, and he doesn't beat Medvedev. I know he beat him in the warm up, one of the warm up tournaments last year. I think it was in Cincinnati. Um, but if you're thinking that Rublev can beat Medvedev, I would say, what's the evidence for that? So anyway, that's getting a bit further in the tournament. Felix's progression uh, in this tournament still dropping sets. I mean, that was a really tight match today. All tiebreakers winning in four sets. I'm going to ask you guys, because I don't know if I'm honest. Do you have Felix getting to the semis or even the final? Um, let me know what you think in the chat. I see. I think I've got Sinner against Medvedev because I think Felix would potentially be playing Medvedev in the... F- Who's Felix got in the fourth round? Let me know actually in the chat, uh, potentially on his route. I'm not quite sure. Sinner there going through in straight sets. That's a great sign. Uh, as I said, I've got Sinner in my semis and I see no reason to change that right now. Um, Towson, Ben... I'm sure you'll be very pleased about her victory against Kontovic today. Uh, that's a that's an impressive one. But let's let's end with Swanchek against Halep. Yeah, Felix is going to play Evans in the next one. I know that. Yeah, but I want to know where where Felix is coming. I'm trying to look a bit further. Thanks. Yes, Neil. That's exactly what I want. Felix is due to play Medvedev in the quarters. Um, so uh, yeah, that's that's what I want to know, and that's where I see Felix's tournament coming to an end. Of course, they played in the U.S. Open, if I remember rightly. Did they play at the semi-final stage at the U.S. Open last year, and, and Medvedev won comfortably? Um, so yeah, that's 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 that. But anyway, let's get to Swanchek and Halep, uh, who I think arguably the two strongest women left in the draw on the, the bottom half. We've already spoken about Sabalenka's, you know, travails. So I would probably put her below these two right now in terms of favorites to get to the final. Um, Muguruza's obviously gone out as well. So, uh, and Osaka, of course, and Barty are on the other side. Um, and Raducanu's gone too. Let's not forget that. So Swanchek and Halep, I see, has been the two strongest people on this side. I, I see Swanchek as being more likely than Halep. Let me know if you disagree with me in the chat. I, I, I've been watching Halep for two or three years now, obviously winning Wimbledon a couple of years back. Uh, I, she is looking dangerous, Almino, uh, but I just, I don't know. I, I've got a feeling for Swadchek, uh being the more likely to, to win the tournament is what I'm saying. And, and to make the final, I see if, if it's, if it's a, a, a toss up between Swadchek and Halep, I'm coming down on the Swadchek side. I just see her game, being a bit a bit more recent, if that makes sense. Halep obviously was injured last year. Uh, Gene disagrees. He says Halep looks much stronger to me. Um, that's fair enough. Swatchek has improved her serve a lot, um, says Kay. Yeah, I like that point. And I do think the thing, of course, the doubts about Swanchek are, is she clay court only? That's, I guess, the big question. I don't think she is. And I think the fact that she's improved her serve is a, is a great one. JG having Swanchek as his overall winner. Keen to mention that. Um, 
Who's Ben's overall women on the women's? Oh, hang on a second. Ben's gone for Bardi. What a surprise. The world number one and, and home favourite. Um, I went for Bardi as well, by the way, but we don't need to talk about that. We're not here to talk about my predictions. We're here to talk about others, and that's fine. Okay, let's come to any other business. Uh, like and subscribe, by the way. Please, um, <laughs> JG, boring Ben. Boring Ben predicts Barty. What a sh- that could be the next one. That could be the next headline. You know, uh, 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 Ben goes for Barty. What a shock. Um, uh, absolutely. So, yeah, like and subscribe the video. Um, these, by the way, are going to be on every day, the Silk Report. We're going to have them every day. Um, so we're going to be doing that. And hopefully, hopefully going to get quite a bit more consistent on the time. Uh, I'm actually on holiday for my day job. Uh, or I say my day job. It sometimes ends up being night job too. But I'm actually on holiday from tomorrow morning, really. So hopefully we can get pretty consistent on a time with this. But they'll be coming to every day, more or less this time. And I, I excuse me, but that's about 6 p.m. Uh, German time, Central European time, 5 p.m. Uh, in uh, the U.K., and so, therefore, if you're in the North America or South America, let me know where you're actually uh, watching from. Actually, let me know in the live chat. Um, <laughs> son, ben, Ben's suggesting son, sensible Ben regarding his prediction. Yes, yes, sure. Yeah, let me know in the live chat where you are. And I'm going to try and guess what time of day these will be coming on. Let's say they come on uh, today at 6 p.m. That would be 6 p.m. Central European time. Seattle, USA. I'm going to guess right now, Dominic. That's in Seattle. It is 1 p.m. Snehill in India. I'm going to guess right now it's about midnight, maybe even 1 a.m. Michael's in New York. I'm going to guess that it's about 3 p.m., 2 p.m. there right now. Troy's in Australia, where I'm guessing it's 5 a.m., I think, if I've got that right. Jean in South Africa and Fatima in Germany. This is much easier. I think you're both the same time as me. Is it 7 p.m. in both? Let me know if I'm wrong on that. Oh, Dominic, I'm way off. I think I said 1 p.m. It was 10, it's 10 a.m. there. Michael's 1 p.m. Okay, I was a bit closer on that. Troy, boom, 5 a.m. Got it. Bang on. Let me know uh, if I got uh, Montenegro, Boban, you'll be on the same time zone as me, I think. So I guess it's 7 p.m. there too right now. Uh, Fatima, yeah, of course. Oh, so you're an hour ahead, Gene. Gotcha. 8 p.m. in South Africa. Um, so that's cool. Um, so, yeah, if you can set your clocks for, say, 3, 4 p.m., I'll try and do these as soon after the, the, the day ends in Australia, if you like, over the coming nine days or so. And uh, so they'll be they'll be going live about sort of 3, 4, 5 p.m. German time. But we'll try and get a, a fixed time on that over the next uh, few days. Uh, Gunner, why am I not in the U.K.? Um, got offered a job in Germany. Um, so... Boom, here I am. Um, well, I applied for a job in Germany and then they offered it to me. I didn't get um, I didn't get headhunted. Uh, I've never been headhunted, actually. I, I want to be headhunted. Um, I had to beg uh, JG and Ben to be let on. <laughs> it took me about six months of messages and then another six months of just appearing on the stream. So I- I- I'm in a situation where I have to apply myself, let's say. But one day I'm, I- I'm looking forward to being headhunted. I'm looking forward to the ATP giving me a call saying, John, We've seen you on Game to Love. <laughs> seen you on Game to Love. We want you. We want you to head up our new project. We want you to head up our fifth Grand Slam. By the way, where should we have a fifth Grand Slam? Uh, I think Djokovic wants it in Belgrade. Where do you want to see a fifth Grand Slam? Should there be one? Uh, I'd like it here in Bonn in Germany, just so it saves travel. That would be great. Um, 
Okay, like and subscribe. Uh, oh, one more thing. Let's preview, do a very, very quick preview uh, of tonight's matches that will be covered on GTL and any other matches that you might be interested in. Nadal Hatchinov, uh, which will be on tomorrow morning, German time, about 9, 10 a.m., something like that. Um, I'm worried about Nadal. I Hatchinov has the weapons to damage him. I think Nadal's form has been okay at the Aussie Open, but it doesn't fill me with huge amounts of confidence, especially a guy who can serve well and especially a guy who's got a good backhand. And Hatchinov serves well and has got a good backhand. I know the head-to-head, I think, is 7-0 in Nadal's favor, but hey, let's see. Um, I think Nadal also probably needs to win it in straight sets. I think he dropped a set at the US Open in 2019. Has Nadal got the fitness or even the confidence to win a tight four or five setter? That's something we don't know. Um, Osaka, Anisimova. Uh, is that an easy match? I mean, Anisimova did well in the last round. I'm tipping Osaka, but um, let me know in the live chat if you think otherwise. And then, of course, we've got Azarenka against Svitolina as well. I, um, let me know in the live chat the time of that one. I'm actually not um, not sure on what time. Is that the... What's, which is the first one on this evening? Uh, come to you just quickly in the live chat while um, while we do that. Yes, if Hatchinov turns up, maybe it could be tight. Have not seen Nadal this tournament, but I can't see Nadal not going through. Hatchinov is so up and down. Um, yeah, Gene, it's not an easy match for Anisimova. That's true. Yeah, let me know on the timings for this, um, for the, the Osaka and Anisimova. I know Nadal is on pretty much last, I think, on Rod Laver. That's something that Nadal won't want either. I'm sure he would have liked a daytime match. But... Um, yeah, Colby's also leaning Osaka. I'm leaning Osaka. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah. And uh, Gene's saying that I think so. Azarenka Vika is probably second up. Um, am I right? Or maybe even first up, actually. Um, and JG saying there Osaka is on at 8 a.m. So, so obviously, the Osaka and Nadal's matches, for most of us, at least here in, in, in Europe, will be on tomorrow morning. But Azarenka Svidalina tonight, just in a few hours. Guys? 39 minutes. Nice. Looking forward to seeing you again. Similar time tomorrow for the Silk Report. Like and subscribe and speak to you soon. Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.